This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Dude Shoes. Light Comfy, good to go to. Welcome back to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Steve Lydiard. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 1-1 draw against Spurs. And what's going to be interesting about this show, Steve and myself are polar opposites when it comes to our philosophies on life. Steve is definitely glass half empty, I'm half full, or Steve might even just say mostly empty, right, Steve? Mostly empty, the rest realistic, and probably very, very rarely positive, yeah. Okay, okay, and I'm mostly positive, and, but, but I can be objective as well. So that's what's going to make this episode kind of interesting, because I think we're going to bring the positive and the negative here as we look back at this match in a little bit more detail than we did on full-time. So, Steve, I'm going to give you the floor to start off. I'm calling it Steve's Rant. Steve, share whatever you want about this match, about Anything to do with the fallout from this match? Because I know you and I were talking about off-air, you know, you keep bringing up the fact that we need a striker. I, I understand that and I agree with that. But my thoughts on this was, this was a match where, again, they deserved the point and you're focusing on needing a striker. So give me your rant. Well, we'll start off with the positive on it. Um, oh, really? Oh, cool. If you'd have, if you'd have taken... It's not that I'm disappointed with the point. And if you did give me that before the game, I'd have been your hand off. Exactly. And the, fact that, and the fact that we did score. I know we conceded, but we did score. Um, and they're, they're both a couple of good goals. You know, we did concede a world-class Absolutely. goal. Absolutely. The the problem I have, and that's my glass half empty side, is if we'd had a striker, a decent striker, or anyone on the pitch that could score, that Ruben Loftus-Cheek effort towards the end would have been 2-1. If we, uh, we didn't have Kamara on the field and someone that could pass the ball to Lookman, he would have been through on goal, potentially again, 2-1. Okay. Um, this is the problem we've got. Decision-making players that aren't good, are good squad players, but they're not Premier League quality. Um, okay. And 
And last night it was sort of, um, you know, I was on a post-match show sort of doing some commentary on uh, Facebook and sort of someone said, we'll go 23 games unbeaten. Well, that's great. Um, to be fair to him, he didn't say 23 draws. But if we got 23 draws out of that, that isn't going to be enough to keep us up. No, we of course not, Steve. We, we know have that. To, I mean, we, I, th- I think something like Leeds have only lost one less game than us. Last yes. time I checked, so that could have changed. But the fact is they won more games. And that is why they're, they're around mid-table, I believe. I haven't yes. actually checked the table last couple of days. We had them mid-table. And that is the exact reason, because they've got people that, as everyone likes to put it, can put the ball in the onion bag. So that is, again, it's going to be last day drama for but us. But Steve, so. they're also leaking goals like crazy. I think they mm. are a team that, again, is feast or famine. We're, you're talking about Leeds United. Fulham mm. is more defensively sound. And I understand where, where you're coming on this because you're right when it comes to needing a striker. You're right with needing players on the pitch that actually you know, are Premier League quality. I know you're, you're pointing the finger at Kamara in a very – pivotal point at the end of that match where Lookman's wide open there, Steve, and uh, he should have passed it. You know, again, we, we can all see that. So I understand where you're coming on that. But here's the thing. When I look at this match and I look back at it and I'll go right into my rant, it really has to do with the fact that, again, I can see the progress, Steve. You're talking about the draws, but I also look at some of these draws some of the te- teams we've been drawing. You're talking about Liverpool. You're talking about Southampton. And then, of course, Tottenham. Now, the downside is, I think, where you're going on this and what Emilio was talking about as well. we got to stop drawing against Newcastle United. Brighton. That is what is concerning him. I'm paraphrasing from talking to Emilio last time, but I think that's where, where his point was that, listen, we need to be getting victories from teams like that. And his concern is that when we play against the bigger side, Steve, we have more of the ball. You know, again, they're not really concerned about us having the ball. When we play against teams that are around us, they're not going to give us that space. And he wants to see how we can break down and beat teams like this. And it's actually a valid point. But when I look at this, I feel like it's building, Steve. And as Rob Wilson said on the full-time show, He thinks back-to-back victories are on its way. He truly believes he can see it coming, and I can see it coming too. But I guess you as a glass-half-empty fan, you're saying basically show it to me, right? You want to see it first. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm similar view to Emilio on that. And we need need to start picking up the points, really, because let's be honest, we had a poor start. We all know that, and it is so much improved, and, and it is around the corner. But we're not. We have to start picking up the points because we're playing catch up as it is, and and as we all know, it's typical Fulhamish. We'll nick a point or two off the big teams, play well against the big big teams, narrowly lose, draw against Brighton, draw against Newcastle, probably end up losing against West Brom. That is a definition of Fulhamish, and that is what will prevent us from staying up. Not that we're not good enough, because I believe we're probably a fifth or sixth, fifth, fifth or sixth, you know, place team, yep. worst, worst team in the league. And that, and that we'll take that this season, but right. we have to show that we have to pick up the points to to show that. And unfortunately, we're not doing that. Okay, so you're looking at this. It's funny because in the title of the full time show, basically, uh, Emil and I were talking about putting a title. You know, again, well deserved point, but should Fulham have gotten the victory? So I think that's where you're coming from, Steve, because the mm. opportunities were there, and. Mm. We're, you're looking at it as two 
is it true you're looking at this as actually two points dropped? Um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm in between. Like I say, before the game, I'd have taken a point. The right. way the game, the game, you know, the way the game went in the first half, we could have been, you know, been more than one down. But at the same time, we've got to half time. We've got to second half. We've got the equaliser. Really, in the end, we could we have pushed on and done it? You know, few correct decisions, good decision making, like we were saying as an example. I'm not going to completely throw Kamara under the can, but yep. literally those sort of decision making can, can change games. And I'll be honest with you, could, his touch wasn't there since when he came on. You know, he was down the left at one point. He got the ball stuck under his feet where he, he did. didn't break away. Now, the problem is his decision-making. And you'll put, at those times, you will get a decent Sunday Liga that will be able to play that pass. That's the frustrating thing. We And we're not, we're just, for some reason, we're not doing it. I don't understand. Okay. And, you know, listen, that's a valid criticism because when I'm looking at it, Late in the match, and that opportunity was there, but it was even beyond that, Steve. It was other opportunities with Kamar. It's he's like a bull in a china shop. He just runs and runs and runs. But does he have the ability to make the right decisions? And as you just said, I agree with you. I don't think he does, and I think that's that's an issue. So I I understand where you're going on it, but the flip side to this is, is players that made the right decisions. You know, Adam Lookman, you know, we had a bunch of players out there that, again, were dealing with a short, a very short turnaround, Steve. And to go there, and, and actually, this to me is a huge positive. I'm going to go back to Russ's rant here, because this to me is the huge positive to come out of this. And Emilio mentioned this as well. Can they fight through adversity, Steve? Can they come back from being a, a goal down? This is the first time they've done this. And that, to me, is a turn in the right direction. They played together as a team, and we say this all the time, Steve. If you don't take your chances, you leave yourself wide open. What do you think Spurs fans are saying right now? That's exactly what they're saying. They are killing their team right now. I'm telling you, I've listened and watched to enough. and But I feel like I've seen that with Fulham. When you don't take your chances, you leave yourself open to what happened to Spurs by fall. Mm. But here's the thing. For me, when you look at the second half performance, I just wanted them to get through the first half only down a goal. And I thought the first 20 to 25 minutes, Steve, we were the better side, but you saw the quality that Spurs had. They grew into the game, and then, of course, they get the goal. But the second half, you know, and again, I've heard and listened to Spurs fans complain about Mourinho's Approach. And here's my rant. Because like, well, he sits back, you know, just protects that one goal lead and, and they're not really proactive. I'm not going to disagree with that, but I think you're also taken away from the performance of Fulham. Because even when they were down a goal, even in the beginning stages, Steve, they were they were moving forward. They were not sitting back, Steve, the entire match. Their approach was to be proactive. I'm talking about Fulham, the way that they were set up. This is not a negative type of uh, performance at all. It was a positive performance. The tactics were positive. It was it was actually really just a way to take advantage of Spurs in certain points. And when they broke, they broke quickly. And they took advantage of Spurs. They, you know, again, I kept hearing how great Spurs' defense is. Well, I thought Fulham created some very good opportunities. So every time I hear this talk about how Spurs blew their opportunities. I think you're taking away a little bit 
of what Fulham did in this match, Steve, because they made it difficult on Spurs. And uh, I think I think our club deserves a lot of credit for how they acted and how they kept pushing all the way to the end, Steve. As Rob Wilson said, do you agree with this statement? There was only going to be one winner in this match, and it was going to be Fulham in the end. It wasn't going to be Spurs in the end. Yeah, completely agree. Um, the game was sort of going on another 10, 15 minutes or so. I mean, we started to pile the pressure on, create some really good openings. I mean, Lookman, obviously, um, come on uh, uh, I think it might have looked me Lookman being one of those that's been out with COVID. If he is, that might have been why he's. We don't only, know. We yeah, don't. That that might be the what the reason why he was only on the bench. Right. But then obviously the other reason is to to get them when they're tired. And I mean, whatever right. the reason was, it worked an absolute treat. Um, right. But a few extra minutes for him, and he you know he was doing damage right, left, and centre. Um, right. And for me, he's got a start against Chelsea at the weekend. Um, right. Yeah. I agree with you, Steve. I um, agree with you. Can I, can I sort of go a little way, way from the round at the moment? And uh, I've done a little bit of um, Cam bashing recently. Okay. Ivan um, Caballero bashing. <laughs> um, and apart from the replay still being, I've seen an angle. I'm not sure whether he scored with his head or his back. Um, it's, it's, a great, it's, a, it's a great it's a great effort. We'll say he scored with his head. But okay. literally, he's, he's turning into that player, that team player that, that we all thought was there. Yes, he needs yes. to add. Yes, he needs to add goals to his game. Yes, he does miss some silly ones, but I'm actually going to say to him, he's uh, he's, he's starting to become the player in the last couple of games that I wanted to see um, and that we know he can be, uh, but he needs to show it regularly. I totally agree, Stephen. What's interesting about him and when you watched back the match, I've actually watched back this match, believe it or not, at 2.30 in the morning because I couldn't <laughs> sleep, so I watched it for a second time. And it's interesting to watch how he played after he scored the goal. He looked like someone possessed because, again, the confidence just grew within him. But he played well throughout the match. But it really took off when he scored the goal. And I think he's one of these confidence type of players that once something good happens, other things can potentially happen. So that, that's, a, that's actually a good point. But to your point, he's not consistent enough. And, and I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Okay, my friend, let's get into it a little bit more and let – Let's talk about the starting 11. What was going through your mind when you saw it? Because, uh, again, I'll just share my thoughts. On, you're laughing. He's laughing. <laughs> so, obviously, no Metro. That was, that was my first thought. No Metro, no Kearney, couple players missing. But overall, even with Lookman on the bench, I'm thinking, this isn't half bad because I was expecting there to be even a weaker side. I thought – I was actually pleasantly surprised with the starting 11. Based on everything that's been going on with the club with COVID-19, I thought, okay, they can work with this. This team can give Spurs a go, and they did. Um, thoughts on the starting 11? Um, I did have a little giggle. Once I saw Kearney was missing, Mitro was missing, Lukman on the bench. Obviously, because we're not privy, because we're not privy to the club are quite quiet. We're not privy to who's been out. And Scott was saying no, players have no come idea. back. Players have yep. come back the day before. But when you don't know that information, you look before the game, you see the lineup, and you're thinking, right, where's where's three, four of these players? Where you know where the hell are they? What are you playing at? They're not even on the bench, um, and we still don't really know why they were or they weren't. No. Um, if it's if it's tactical, okay, okay, you can say we've got a point out of the game. But was that game crying out for a Mitro towards the end? Was it crying out for a Kenny who had that little bit of craft? So that, that's my only query. 
Okay. Are they are they missing because of COVID issues, or were they tactically left out? If they were tactically left out, yeah, okay, we got a point. But you could arguably say that might have misfired, but we'll never know. Like anything, we'll never know. Right. And the one thing that I will say about Mitro, I do not know anything about Kearney, and and none of us really do. I can Fulham keep all this information really just close to themselves. So none of us know who these players are. We we might have ideas, but we don't know. But what's interesting about Mitro is that, and I had to be reminded of this at at the end of the uh, QPR match, he, he seemed to pull up lame. So uh, potentially he had some kind of injury, Steve. That that was my first thought is that he's being kept out because of the remnants of the QPR match. That That's what was going through my mind. I did not think it was tactical because I thought this match was screaming out for Mitro. I, I, you know, especially what was frustrating about this, and we'll talk about this, is when Eric Dyer was dealing with a knock, I'm thinking – it would have been nice to have Mitro there to really do a number on Eric Dyer. And because, because he was struggling at one point. And, uh, you know, that's when I was really thinking they, they might miss Mitro in this match. And, and maybe they did, Steve. Maybe they actually did miss him. So, so that's going to be my question because I actually want to ask you this. Do you think they missed Mitro? I think, I think we missed two things. Uh, before I get onto Mitro, we missed. Um, Sky sort of um, highlights, not Sky, um, the Amazon that we watch in the UK. Prime. Yeah, yep. Prime. They, they actually highlighted one of the only times that we actually got any decent numbers of players in the box, and I still think it was only about four, we yep. actually scored a goal. And not taking away anything away from Cav because it was a good header, but when you think, if you've been getting that service in all night long, had we got that service in all night long, yep. so someone like Mitrovic, surely he's going to score at least one, maybe two goals right. out of that. And that is what I'm saying. If it was tactical, which we yeah. don't know. We don't know. That's what I mean by it's potentially backfired. So, yeah, we can all be – that's why I'm the glass half empty because you can be happy with a point and yes. then you can look and say, well, what could we have done if we'd have gone differently? Right. Um, and, and I understand that, Steve, because, because you're – you know, and again, I don't think you're, you're really there when you're going to say it's two points dropped, but you're hmm. kind of teetering on the fence there because – you see the opportunities that were missed. That's it, yeah, the opportunity, exactly. And we have to start learning whatever game it is, whether it's Manchester United, Chelsea, West yep. Brom, Brighton. We need to learn that when the opportunities are there, we take those opportunities or we give ourselves the best best possible out, you know, chance to get that outcome. And I don't think we're quite doing that at the moment. And we have, we're getting better, but we haven't been quite doing that. And Scott's still trying to find it out. The yeah. problem is, and I still think, I honestly still think we'll be fine. We yep. might just, we might scrape it with a game or two to go, but I still think it would be fine. But the the only reason we won't be is as we said a striker, and if we take too long to progress this because we don't have we don't have the time to progress it. We're in the new year. We're practically halfway through the season. Yep. We don't have time for much more progression. We need to you know hit the ground running basically at the sort of start of February, end of January, start of February from now really. No, listen, and, and I understand that Stephen, and it's all good points from you. Because when you look at it, and I watch him back the match, and that's why I wanted to bring up the topic of Mitro. And, uh, you know, and again, this is just my opinion. I I thought he was dealing with uh, remnants of that match from QPR, and I thought maybe that's why he wasn't included. But I I thought that we missed him at times, as you talked about not having enough players in the box. And, And even if he was just in the box, with some of the service that we had, I think that, you know, and again, like I mentioned against Dyer, I actually think we missed Mitro 
to 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 uh, really do some damage in there. But you know, and again, I want to give all the players credit. But it's a good point because when you look at it, and I understand everyone clamoring for a striker because I feel the exact same way as everyone else. But on the flip side, we went and we just talked about Cavalero because you have players that are stepping up. You have players that maybe aren't that player that you wanted striker. You you know, he's not your first choice. He's probably the fifth choice, really. I'm talking about Cavalero, if you ask fans. But Parker believes in him, and he's getting 100% out of him. But the ceiling is not high enough, Steve, when it comes to him because he's not a – a real true striker. He's not a, he's not a striker. So I see where you're going on that. And when you don't have Mitro in there, it's, it's hard, but I think in some ways, I think Parker wants to play this way. So it could have been tactical. It's interesting. That's why I'm glad we're talking about it. Because Russ, yes, Russ, sorry to go in there. Just, just while I was in my train of thought um, with the, with the Mitro side, if it was tactical and we've completely left him out that last, last 10, 15 minutes that we you could argue we started to lay a bit of siege to, to the goal. Surely yes. he had enough in the tank to go for those few minutes and potentially get on the end of something, or even that yep. Loftus-Cheek effort towards yep. the end, you know, with the one-on-one. So, so right. my, that's my point. If, it's, if, if it is tactical, you can then lean me further towards the other way and say, well, he, he's made a massive boo-boo there, as Yanis would say. Um, you know, he's, he's made a massive cock-up by, by not even putting him on the bench. Yeah, no, I... I, I hear you there, my friend. All right. Coming up next, Steve and I go through the match. We do our first half analysis followed by our second half, and we will end with man of the match. Okay, Steve, let's get into it. Let's really break down this match. We'll talk about some key moments as well because there, there are actually several in both halves, but let's start with the first half. And listen, I thought Fulham were by far the better side for about good first 20 to 25 minutes. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of how I feel on that. And that leads to really some really good saves from Areola. You had an opportunity from uh, Anguissa in the 16th minute, and, of course, Spurs had an opportunity a little bit before that. But, you know, what's interesting is that, like I said, you you have these saves from Areola, but that also leads to the goal from... Harry Kane, and that's kind of where I want to stop because I want to talk about that whole situation. You and I were talking about this off air, that there was an opportunity. Because you're a ref, I want to get your thoughts on it. There was an opportunity from Son, and it was a save by Ariola, which led to a corner. But when we watched the replay, Steve, it looked like Son was offside. So I want to get your thoughts of all of this because then a few minutes later, we have the goal from Kane, so I want to get your thoughts on the first half leading up to the goal, thoughts on the referee and the linesman, and your thoughts on what happened with Son there. Was was that the wrong call there? Should that have been offside and maybe then Fulham don't have to deal with that corner? Well, yeah, if 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 he's offside, he's offside. I can appreciate it happens so quick that, you know, Son's had the header. The, the, the assistant might not even think he's offside. You know, keeper saved it. It's gone out of play. It's a corner. But this is where looking ahead in the game comes. The ball's going out of the corner. He's got a few moments. Can can 
And I don't know what the instructions are for VAR myself, but do they yep. not? Can they not review it? Because at the end of the day, I was thinking, oh, I hope they don't score from this corner because it could have a knock-on effect. So, like you say, if he's offside, he's offside. They need to review it before that corner kick is taken because that's a that's an important part of the game. It's not like it's a goal kick; it yep. is an actual corner kick that could lead to a goal. Right. So, so again, I, I still think that should have been reviewed, and for whatever okay. reason. It's kind of just one of those things. Oh, keeper saved it. We don't need to review it. Oh, gone out for a corner. Oh, they whipped the corner and scored. Oh, we got a problem now. Obviously, they can't rule it out because they restarted the game. But then straight away, as an official, you're thinking, I could, I could have avoided this. So, so again, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, so for me, it was offside, and it should have been called to. Okay, and let's talk about another decision that actually went Fulham's way in the first half. Was Again, there was uh, a lot of to do about potential handball with uh, Adarabayo. And you and I talked about this off air. And there was a situation with Fulham as well where the players were going crazy. But we got no review on it, so I I don't want to ask you about that. I want to ask you about this because, like we talk about, you're a referee. I thought this would have been extremely harsh to give against Fulham. So was that the right call? not to call handball there, Steve, and give and give them a penalty. Your thoughts? I think like anything, if you've got the benefit of a VAR, I think it's an easy decision. The arms are clearly not in an unnatural position. It's clearly the way he's running, and it's just literally bounced up and hit his arm. If it's in real time, then someone's got to make a decision, and it could look a lot different. Um, and obviously, so, so what I mean is the lower down the pyramid you go, where you don't have VAR, you don't have cameras, you don't have all these microphones assistants, it's yep. just you in the middle. You have to make a split on the call decision and it can look different. But the fact that we had VAR and everything, they've clearly just decided there's, and rightly so, there's absolutely nothing to answer for for that. And and if anyone thinks that's a penalty, then I, I'll be honest, you'll be given so many a game, it'll be unreal. <laughs> Good stuff there, Steve. All right, let's talk about the Kane goal. This was a wonderful goal. I You have to give them credit on the goal. They broke quickly. The cross was perfect. But the defending, again, we can be a little bit critical of the defending because no one was near Harry Kane. So thoughts on the goal from Harry Kane? Um, it looked like a fantastic case of either someone being a bit lazy at the back or a bit of zonal marking um, gone wrong, basically. Okay. Um, but um, and maybe we should be man marking that situation. But anyway, uh, apart from that, I think yeah, it was a bit lazy defending. But the the ball in was world class. The finish in the end, you know, it was an easy finish for someone like Kane. But it, but again, it was a well well goal, world class. And he's put it, he's just put it to a tee on his head. Anyone's going to be proud of that. That would have undone a lot of teams. But I guess the only question you're saying, Russ, and I'm saying, is would would every other team have given up that opportunity? Because I think the defenders would, would have you know made a challenge for that or got you know intercepted it. Uh, because Kane was almost kind of 75%, 50 75% getting in that box. He yeah. wasn't really majorly sprinting in to get on the end of it. Um, and he was just left to run. Um, so that was the frustrating thing. We sometimes shoot, shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit. We do so well at the back now, as we know. Um, but it's just that little lapse in concentration. But it's still ne- never as bad as the days of Yanis' uh, favourite sender horse, um, <laughs> where you always knew there was a goal sort of goal goal moment in him every single game and you worried every time he got the ball but um i don't i don't worry with us okay okay very good i also want to focus a little bit as as we talk about the first half about ariel we talked about him a little bit like i said offside by son but you know what 
doesn't matter. He made the save, and he stepped up but big, Steve. And what a difference a world-class – I'm going to call him a world-class goalkeeper makes because I think we have one. And uh, thoughts on Areola keeping Fulham in the match? We'll be – if we stay up, we'll be lucky to keep him. Yeah. Um, that said, I could see it happen because it depends who comes in for him. But you think about – I mean, we'll get, we're sort of, I'm digressing a bit from the saves. I'll come down in a minute. But you're thinking about a guy that you would not begrudge if he said, you know, I've kept you up full and well done. You know, um, I'm going back to my parent club now. I'm signing for someone like, I don't know, you know, Manchester United or someone like that because he's good enough. You think about the keepers in the Premier League, he is good enough yeah. because those saves are not saves that, you know, sort of your lower end mid-table goalkeepers make. They make errors. You know, this is this is a guy that is on par with some of the best in the league. Right. Um, at, you know, at least the best. The saves he's pulling off are tremendous. Um, and I think one of the guys um, was saying on the... I think it was possibly David James was saying today on Sky Sports that on the football show that he was saying he'd uh, spent a bit of time and seen him come up through the academy. I can't remember if it was PSG or somewhere like that, but he said, he said he's not surprised, you know, that he just needed a bit of game time to show his worth. Um, and he is better than us, um, but at the same time, I could I could quite see see someone like that staying with us. Um, oh, so, Russ, I have digressed from the saves a bit, but I think that opens everyone's eyes, and and they don't really need opening to the fact that he's, these saves are just part and parcel of him. Yeah, yeah, okay, he might make an error down the track, but I would be surprised surprised if it doesn't. You know, the amount of times he's atoning for that, you know, in advance sort of thing is is, is amazing. We can count on him, Steve. And yeah. we couldn't always say that about goalkeepers for Fulham. There have been some good ones, but you can count on this guy each and every match that he is going to be at the top of his game. Is he going to make mistakes? Everyone makes mistakes. But mm-hmm. overall, you can count. He's reliable. And I think that's a positive way. To, he's very reliable. And I think that gives you confidence for mm-hmm. your defense. And I think that just spreads throughout the entire team. If you know you have a goalkeeper that can make the difference for you, I think that allows you to play with a little bit more freedom, Steve, going well, forward. So, someone said last night on the post-match show in the comments, they said, is, um, is he one of the best keepers we've had? And I know it's early days. and I know it's only, a, if you like, a handful of games compared yeah. to others. I actually potentially think he's the best keeper we've had. Wow. And that's so, – you're talking about some great goalkeepers, you know, short I mean, We've had we've had Schwarzer, we've had we've had Van der Sar. Van der Sar wasn't as mobile as Ariola. Schwarzer wouldn't always pull off this kind of saves that Ariola is pulling off at the that's moment. That's true. That's, um, that's a good point. And I'm going to argue he is today. We can only go today, but he is the best keeper we've had. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Let's move on later on in the first half. You know, again, uh, they had a, another opportunity. You have. Harry Kane's uh, header goes over. And then you have the really good opportunity from Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Steve, that, again, I, it's just it's too bad because it just went wide. It was a near miss. This was a near miss. And if this goes in, obviously things are different at the half. But it was very close to going in. But, you know, again, that's been the difference with Fulham. It's, it's near misses. And uh, thankfully, we'll, we'll talk about the goal in the second half. That wasn't a near miss. That was a goal. But... It's these opportunities. You look back and say, "Man, if it was just a maybe uh, I don't know, ten inches in another direction, maybe it's in the back of the net." But this is a near miss, and this leads to Fulham at the half. Steve only being down a goal. What was going through your mind at halftime? Um, 
if we'd had a striker, we would have potentially <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> of course, Steve. Of course, yeah. if we no, had a striker. Um, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, you can always say if you had a strike, they might have scored, they might have... To be fair, it was, a, it was a great effort. I actually thought it was creeping in the post. When it went wide, I was like, oh, it's only Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, but no, no, it, no, it was... It, I'm not going to lie, it was a fantastic effort. And I think the effort yep. actually deserved better for someone that isn't a striker as well. Yep. He, he did actually deserve a lot better for, to, for that to find a corner. It didn't, but like you say, 1-0 down at half-time isn't the end of the world because no. we were... Even even the most optimistic Fulham supporter was probably think, sat there thinking when we went one 0 down, we think like, oh, here we go again. You know, we don't come back from this. You know, how many is it going to be? Two, three? Can we keep it down? Getting to half time at one nil, I was just like, this is probably our bad half, if I'm honest, because we're we're a goal down and we've we've done really well. So second half, you know, we might as well just go for it, give it a go, and uh, that's exactly what we did. That's exactly what they did. Very good point there, Steve. Because now let's talk about the second half. And uh, I wouldn't call it night and day from Fulham. I would just say that they just stepped up their game in the second half from the get-go. And it was frantic in the beginning of the second half. Anyone that watched it knows what we're talking about because Fulham had an opportunity early on. And then, of course, Tottenham goes right down and they have an opportunity. And I'm thinking, oh, what is going to happen here? Things settled down, but Fulham were, it seemed like, constantly on the front foot, Steve. And, you know, again, you have an opportunity from Tete that, you know, if, if you watch back the replay, Scott Parker was, you know, again, he was he was not happy with us because it, it looked like it was an opportunity, but he hits the side netting in the 49th minute. Then you have another save from uh, Areola on Winks. You know, it, it didn't look like much, but it, it would have gone in. So, again, it was another key save from Areola. And then you had the opportunity because Fulham were pushing hard, and, and this was a disappointing moment. You finally have a really good opportunity with a free kick, Steve. And I like Bobby Decadover Reed. I really do. He needs to do better here, Steve. He hit it right in the wall. And th- that was a little bit disappointing. And that was in the 59th minute. But then we have the change in the match that I really want to focus on because I think substitutions can change matches. Steve, in the 66th minute, he takes Tete off and he brings Lookman on and he basically shuffles the deck and moves players around. I think bringing Lookman on at this time changed the game. What are your thoughts? I would have brought Lookman on and clearly, clearly it, it paid off. I would have left Tete on though. That was a difference. Okay. Um, pace, you know, going forward, we know what his crossing ability is like. Uh, he didn't look tired to me, um, but he might have been. Again, we don't know what he's been suffering with or has or hasn't been suffering with. Right. He's been out for a while as well. Match fitness can play a part, but if he was still okay to go, I would have left him on and brought Lukman on. The more pace and power we've got in there and the more, you know, sort of technically gifted players, it would, you know, to get crossed and so forth would have been decent. Um, I actually think we played better in the second half as well because I think Spurs realised we're in a game when... Uh, Samba and Gisa and Reed were absolutely battering Winks and Co in the first half. You know, wow. the cha- there were some meaty challenges going in. <laughs> and I just I almost felt sorry for Winks. I was just like, oh, mate, you've been clattered twice in as many minutes. Yeah. And, uh, and I, did, I did feel sorry for him. But yeah, I, I just think they sort of realised the second half, oh, we're in a game here. You know, we're, they're actually physical. They're, they're coming to the party. That's and right. We, and like you say, we did step it up a bit. Um, it wasn't just all about the physicality in the second half. We no. actually took the game to them. But I think the first half did out, roughen them up a little bit. And sort of letting them know you're not going to have it all your own way. Um, and I thought it was amazing. Um, right. But, but bringing sorry. on Lookman, I think, really gave them that spark that they needed, Steve. Because, again, we're talking about not having that those 
creative opportunities and those goals, I think bringing him on changed the match, honestly. Because, you know, and that's going to lead to talk about a couple things. But before we talk about the goal in the 72nd minute, because this is what scares you when you play a team like Spurs, they can they can just score a goal like that, Steve. They can come at you so quickly, and they just create an opportunity very quickly, and you have Son breaking in, and it, it hits the post. I I thought it was going in, and it was very close to going in. That, again, was a sigh of relief that that did not go in. But then I'm thinking to myself, Steve, because Fulham were creating the opportunities, and as I watched all of these videos from Tottenham supporters, I'm thinking about how it's like with us, and then we, I mentioned this before, when we don't take advantage of our opportunities, I'm thinking, he missed that. We got a, we got a chance here. Some, something good is going to happen, and it did a couple minutes later, and it was a great cross from Lookman. And who scores the goal on a header? Ivan Cavallero. Give me your thoughts what was going through your mind when you saw the goal. Well, just before the goal, are you saying going back to when Spurs hit the post? Um, yes. I don't know if anyone noticed and whether I was daydreaming, but I thought one of our players slipped and that actually opened yes. up the opportunity for the pass. Yes, now, absolutely. Now, again, we need another signing there. We need some new football boots for that lad who's wearing blades because they're clearly not good enough um, and he needs to learn to stay on his feet. Otherwise, they wouldn't have got an opportunity. So we, yep. we, we got out of jail a bit there because you could say it was an error from the slip. Yep. Um, although it does happen. But yeah, the actual goal was fantastic. The, the, ball, the ball in was brilliant again. Um, the, the header, I'm not sure what it was. Header off the back. Um, I still think it was off the back, off the shoulder. Um, but but then I've seen another well, who replay. Cares, Steve? I don't I don't give a monkey to be honest. But, um, <laughs> but but yeah, I was there. I was just like everyone's like, oh, it's a great header, and I was like, hang on a minute, this is, let's come off his back. <laughs> but but either way, it's gone and it's fantastic. And um, he like you say, you need that bit of confidence because after yes. that, he was he was a uh, you know not that he wasn't playing badly, but he was he was even better after that. And uh, it just goes to show, like you say, a bit of confidence, a goal like that, a good team goal as well, and the team's just on the a up team straight goal, away. Steve. And it yeah. was a team performance. And I think that goal epitomized how Fulham played in this match. That's why we go back and I ask you the question at the beginning. Was the two points dropped as Emilio was, was just thinking to himself, maybe we should have won this because of the way we played and the way we took it to a team that is a top six team. And, you know, we got a point, but maybe it should have been three. And that's I, I'm starting to come around to Emilio's thoughts on it. Because then shortly after that, we have the opportunity. We have to talk about this. You have you have a great opportunity. You've, you've already mentioned this. Another miss from Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I thought Ruben Loftus-Cheek played well, Steve, in this match. And I remember the commentators basically criticizing Wickman's pass a little bit that maybe he should have done it, done it just a tad earlier. But what are your thoughts about the opportunity from Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Well, I thought Lookman was going to hit it at first. I just thought, you know, when he shuffled a little bit of space, whipping a curler, but no sooner had I thought that, kind of, you know, the the angle closed down, so yep. he had to lay off the pass. Uh, it was just slightly too late. But when he got in, I thought, it's a really chance, good chance here. And that was the difference I felt in the game that where we need to be taking those, because if if that was Spurs up the other end, and we can say Son hit the post, but if that yes. was Spurs at that moment, they would have taken the opportunity. Yes, Probably, I agree with that. Probably if it was 
the majority of the other teams in the Premier League at that point in time, they probably would have taken that opportunity. Yep. That's where we're letting ourselves down. And it's not, it's not a negative. It's just the difference between turning draws into wins. Um, and as I'm sure we'll move on yep. to in a minute, the, the Kamara chance, you know, again, Kamara head down, running, running into the floor, you know, then playing a pass through. My apologies, Russ. Um, <laughs> I, I caught the... Um, I caught no, my headphone cord there. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. I'm still alive, unfortunately. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, Kamara, if he plays that pass off, again, if that's a Spurs player in that position, two yep. on one, again, I think that's two one from Loftus-Cheek or, or for Spurs, you know, three one again there. That's yep. the difference. So we potentially could have ended up winning that game three one. And imagine how we would have all felt. Yeah, I mean, we right. would feel great with a point. Imagine coming away from that game with oh. a two or three one win. Oh. I mean, and being thoroughly deserved at that moment. I mean, I'd have loved to see. We would have deserved like. it, Steve. Absolutely, we yeah. would have deserved it. But mm. let's now move on because you've already mentioned this, so we do have to talk about Kamara coming on, and in a way, he makes a difference because of his pace and his power. But he's a headless chicken, Steve, and he proved it. You know, how else can I describe it? Because when you have Lookman wide open and all he has to do is get the ball to him and listen i like abubakar kamar but i'm not going to say anything that no film supporter knows and that's he's not a premier league player he just isn't he's just not a premier league player and this was an unfortunate situation here because that was there for him and then as you mentioned to me off air as well there was an opportunity where he had the ball and he got lost at his feet. And again, he just, he's just missing that extra quality that premier league players have. So let's talk a little bit about Kamara coming on. It's a positive in one way, but it's a negative in another. I think, I think, I mean, it's obviously not quite a premier league player, but I don't, I don't think he's miles off. I think the problem with him is he's, it's confidence again, but he's also trying too hard. So when he's coming on, he's thinking, I've got the pace, I've got the strength, let's have a go. See if I think he's thinking I can do it myself. Yeah. That's why he's got his head down. Get your head right, up. That's a good point. Get your head up, do the simple stuff, lay off the pass, be a hero, you've done your bit. Um, but again, I just think he's trying too hard to impress when he gets, as yep. you all do when you come off the bench. Right. But sometimes it's just do the basics and that'll impress not only your teammates, yourself, your manager, and you feel a lot better afterwards. Um, I'll tell you from experience, that's what I used to do. I, I, you know, if, if I ever come off the bench, I would, I would try too hard. Yep. Try too hard to impress and that would invariably, when, it, when you wouldn't do so well. Um, so, that's a good point. Uh, so I think it just needs to sort of, Take a step back, and probably Parker's already even said exactly the same thing to him. Or Stuart Gray has said, "Just, just relax. Play within yourself a little bit." I, I think, yeah. I think you're right, Steve. I think you really nailed it here. I think he's trying too hard and trying to do it all himself to just prove something, and it just is. You know, he's trying to do more than he should be doing. It as we would say here in a different sport, just do your job. Mm-hmm. His job is really to. Make a menace, but also if there's an open player, find the open player. Use your head. And I think he was playing too much with his heart because I think his heart was, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do this. And I think he's a team player. I do. This is not about him being a team player. I just think that he tries too hard to impress. He's trying way too hard to do things where sometimes you should be dialing it back and just play within himself. 
and he's just not doing that. And I think he hurts himself. So so that's that's a good point. All right. Now, near the end of the match, we should talk about this. And that involves, you know, as a ref, Steve, I've watched this back several times. How could Regalon even remotely think that he was onside here when he scores the goal? Because it was pretty obvious. He was he was miles off. But, you know, then I heard talk, well, that was in the first stage of this, and it, it was closer than you think. What are your thoughts? Was it close or was it way off? Regu- it was so, offside, but I, I want your opinion as a ref. So, so, the, so the ball comes in, there's four players offside, yeah? Yes. The, the, off, the offside is given against a player that it goes to on the far side. He crosses it in. So the ball, I believe, is played back across. Um, the players coming on um, coming onto the ball, so they're not in front of the ball, they're behind the ball. All three of those players are then onside. So because basically they've not received the ball, so at that moment it's the second phase of play. They all right. become they they all become onside. So the only question is: is the player receiving the ball and playing the cross offside? The answer, as we know, is yes. Yes. Therefore, the offside is given. If he wasn't offside, it's a goal. Okay. Okay. Very good. So let's just say. Good that it wasn't a goal, and uh, and honestly, that would have been a sucker punch, Steve. If I thought it was a goal, if I'm honest, so when I saw it, I saw it going, I was like, "Well, that's a that's a good finish, that's a goal, a nice easy finish." And then when we got the offside, I was like, "That is amazing as well." <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, even with that situation, Steve, as I said, you know, again, they created this at the end, but like Rob Wilson said. I still thought there was only going to be one winner in this match, even though you have this this opportunity, but it was offside. I thought Fulham were the better side overall. And I thought if the match went another 15, 20 minutes, they were going to win this match, Steve. And it sounds like you agree with me. Maybe not even 15, 20 minutes, maybe just another 10 minutes. Or if we, you know, if we had a striker on the pitch, you know, we might have been actually. Of course, we got to go back to that. <laughs> no, um, but no, just yeah, just just we needed another another one of those chances, just another Ruben Loftus cheek chance, anything like that, yep. just another chance, one more chance, it would have buried it. I, I, I believe that. But okay. like you say, it's too late in the game. We've we've created a couple of chances, haven't taken them, and time's just run out in the end. Okay, very good. All right, Steve, let's end with your man of the match. Rob went with Ruben Loftus Cheek. I can't remember who Emilio went with. I want to Mitro. say Mitro. Mitro. He, he didn't go Mitro, with Mitro. Yeah, Stop Mitro. it. <laughs> All right, Steve. Who was your man of the match? Honestly, I I heard what Rob said last night. Ruben Loftus Cheek. He didn't have a bag, and no one. I've been thinking about it the last twenty four hours. No one stood out to me. Not in a negative way this time. No one stood out to me as being man of the match because it was more of a team effort. It was. Um, what did you think of the play of Harrison Reed? I, I'm curious your thoughts on how he played. Dirty, dirty, absolutely dirty. Um, taking winks out like that was uh, completely acceptable on the night, um, but usually unacceptable because I'm a Fulham player. No, um, he, Reed done well. Um, Adebayoro done well. Anderson did his job. Yeah, um, that's right. Probably, Emilio won with Adebayo. That's right. Do you know what? For all the stick I'm going to give him one, for all the stick I've given him and the fact that he turned up last night, regardless of the goal, but he did get a goal off his back, I'm, wow. going, to give, I'm going to give it to Ivan Cavallero. Wow. You're going to Ivan Cavallero yeah. on this. Wow. It's very interesting. I'm actually going to go with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I thought he played very well, Steve. I, I, I think that he created a, a lot of opportunities, but it's funny because the uh, – commentators during the match kept talking about that as number 10, he needed to be more in the box. And 
And as you, you were saying before, there still weren't enough foam players in the box, Steve, with, mm. with their opportunities. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we just don't, and it's the same. It is the same every game. We don't get enough players in the box. You know, there's times, there's times you can see four, five, six defenders in the box. We got about two players, maybe not even that. There were times they were highlighting on Sky where we've got the ball out wide. There's no one in the box, and that is because of the formation we're playing. And and I was going to say, isn't that part of Parker's tactics? It's part of Parker's tactics, but that's also the fact that I'm going to come back to it. We don't have an out-and-out striker playing because someone like a Mitrovic gets himself in the box. Someone yep. like a, someone like a Caviero or a, or a Lookman or a, you know yep. someone like they 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 don't they're not drawn that way. They don't get themselves in the box, and that's why we find like say Parker's taxes. We don't find anyone in the box, and okay. you end up sort of seeing about three Spurs players defending themselves. Um, mind you, I'd like to see us whip it and see if one of those can score a goal for us. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bonus topic for you. This is a bonus topic, and then we're going to wrap up the show. I want to ask you this, okay? Did Scott Parker basically uh, outduel Jose Mourinho? Who won the coaching battle? No one won it because it was one all. <laughs> <laughs> is that a cop out? Is that a cop out? That is a cop out. That is a total um, cop out. Um, I think I think Mourinho always knew we were going to go as strong as we possibly could. Um, he probably just didn't know who we because we keep things quiet. Who we had in, who we didn't yep. have in. Um, but he, he, the guy, the guy, as we all know, you know, take take away that side, the side you don't like about him. You've seen the documentaries about him. he. He plans. Oh, I it. watched it. He plans every every scenario. He plans the. Yeah. He used to plan the eating regime for all of his players and stuff like that. He does everything in detail. He would have known if these players aren't playing, these are the players for them are going to yeah. play. This is what are going to play. So yeah, you could argue, even though Mourinho is going to have known that Parker has outfoxed him on that front. Um, sort of the rookie has outdone the uh, the master, if you like. Um, so it's a difficult one, but I think I think whatever's sort of going along with that, you know, has he mastered him? Probably not. There's certainly things Scott can learn. Oh, um, absolutely. But in this one match, did he, did he really just you know set Fulham up more to succeed than Mourinho did? You know, and again, I've listened to a lot, mm-hmm. and there's so much criticism on. Mourinho's style, his counterattacking style, and how Spurs fans, again, I'm paraphrasing because I've heard a bunch of them, they can't stand it because they feel that if they're up 1-0, that it hinders them because then they sit back and they're waiting for a mistake from the opposition to get that second goal. They're not proactive. And I think that drives Spurs fans crazy, that they basically have one way to play. And Steve, I think Fulham have... More than one way to play. And I think Parker's shown that. So in a way, I think Parker outdid Mourinho in this. Well, well, the thing, the thing for the Spurs fans to remember is if, I'm not they're going to do it, but if Spurs walk away from this season with two, three, or even one trophy, they're all going to be really, really happy. That's yeah? right. And that's been my argument with them is yeah. that you might not like the style, Stephen. We've talked about this with the style yeah. of Fulham. We talked about Parker Ball last year, right? We, we talked about it mm. incessantly. But if you win a title, does all that go away? Oh, of course it does. They'll be out in the streets of London cheer, cheering on the open top bus. We've won the league or we've won the cup or we've, we've won, won the, the Champions, cup, right? League, Champions League, whatever, you know, Europa League, whatever they end up winning. Because I think they will win some this year. Oh, I think and they it, will too. I actually do. I, I think they're going to win. Maybe even two. Maybe even two. 
uh, maybe both domestic. Who, are they still in both domestics? I cannot remember right. the life of me. But do you know what I mean? That sort of thing. And right. everything's going to be forgotten. Everyone's going to be happy. Always the best thing since sliced bread until they lose the next game. Um, and then <laughs> everything comes crashing down. So they just got to remember. Um, I'd be happy to be in Spurs position, if I'm honest. Um, you, but as it is, we're going we're gonna to obviously do our best to uh, stay up this year. Um, right. And we are good enough to stay up, you know, and digressing a bit, but going back to the way we start the show, we are good enough to stay up this year. Absolutely, Steve. Um, Absolutely. My... And, and, and I'm glad that you have said this. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because I actually had someone say this to me on the initial preview show that we did for the Tottenham Hotspur match. We did not do a, a second preview just because I just didn't have time. <laughs> and Kevin DeVries actually messaged me this. And I found it interesting. This is coming from a Spurs supporter because I said that I thought Fulham are good enough to stay in this league. And he said, the question we always pose is, are there three teams worse? And I think the answer is yes. Mm, I think think it's yes. Now, only time will tell because right now, as we have said and we've talked about, the position they are in the relegation zone. But I think that there are actually three or maybe four teams that are worse than them if they can start converting draws to wins. Mm. Do you remember do you remember the similar do you remember the year that Southampton got relegated a couple of leagues? So they yep, got I and remember. then they came they came straight back up. So in like four seasons they'd gone down twice, come back up twice. Now it was actually easier for them to stay in the league. They dropped points, they drew games that they should have won. In the end I think they got relegated by a by a single point. Now that's the thing. It's it's okay being good enough and they were good enough to stay up that season. Right. But on the other side, they weren't good enough because they didn't take advantage of the opportunities. Yeah. That is the only thing That's the other side. See, I, I that is going to see us relegated if we do not take the opportunities that we receive. And that's the only, I guess that's the only angle that I'm coming from. If that's seen as negative, that's fair enough. I think that's realistic. Okay. And I see where you're coming from that, Steve. To be fair to you is that, and I go back to what Emilio said and then we'll wrap up the show. We all think it's great that they're getting points off some of the big clubs, Liverpool and Tottenham. And I'm going to throw Leicester City in there for, for again, that was a quality win. But what do you do against Brighton when they play Burnley? That's really going to be the difference because they won't have the space, Steve. It's going to be a different type of match. I saw that when they played against Brighton. It was a completely different type of match thinking, well, if they could play Liverpool so well, why can't they do it against Brighton? Because it's it's a different style. It's a different mentality when you play against a team like Liverpool, who will give you the space because they want the space. Brighton are not going to give you the space. Burnley are going to be difficult to break down. So that could be the difference. So I, I understand where you're going on that. All right. Russ, we before we go, before sure. we go um, here you'll see a lovely um, water bottle that I have here. Okay. This is um, Mr. Ivan Cavalier, if you're watching. This is your Man of the Match Award. Um, <laughs> if you contact me, I will get you a bottle just like this. <laughs> okay. Okay, very good, Steve. All right. Well, it is time to wrap this up. For my co-host, Steve Lydiard, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. 
at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.